Good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. So good to see all of you today. Let's start with a word of prayer. Thank you, God, so much for our church. Thank you, God, for every person in our church. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would speak your word to us, uh, not only audibly, but also in our hearts, God. I pray you would speak through me today. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would guide us in our understanding of what you have to say to us today. We love you, God, so much. We thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. All right, it's week four of our series on First and Second Peter. And we're calling our series A New Creation because Peter tells us that's where we are in Christ. But Peter also tells us what it looks like to be a new creation in Jesus. So this week, we're going over, as a new creation, we are relying on the Lord. Our passage, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there, and it's on your worship guide too. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. Peter tells us in this passage about relying on the Lord. In verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all Grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, I don't know if you remember these, but they kind of became popular in the 1990s. You might have seen somebody... I'm sure you have seen somebody walk around with a, a bracelet, and there are different colors, red, green, blue, and they all had four letters on them. Those four letters were W-W-J-D. Do you remember those bracelets? Do you remember when people would walk around with those bracelets? What does W-W-J-D stand for? Yeah, what would Jesus do? Now, those are pretty popular in the 90s, and a lot of people in youth groups would go around wearing them, and they haven't totally died out. You can still sometimes see somebody walking around with one. Even in a couple of Super Bowls ago, the quarterback who won the Super Bowl was wearing a WWJD bracelet. Now, those bracelets, why do people wear them? Because it helps them to be reminded, to ask themselves, what would Jesus do in, in my situation? What would Jesus do? And I'm not here to say anything bad about what would Jesus do, but it's not complete. I once heard a pastor, I can't remember who said it, 
but they said, we so often ask, what would Jesus do? And we don't ask, what spiritual practices did Jesus practice? In other words, are we praying? Are we fasting? Are we spending time in solitude? Are we spending time in fellowship? Because a lot of times, if we just stop at what would Jesus do, there's nothing wrong with asking what would Jesus do, but if we're only asking that question, then what does Christianity become for us? It becomes merely imitation. And though it's good to imitate Jesus, if he's just an example for us, then his example will crush us. But we see when we read the Gospels that Jesus wasn't just going around and making the right decisions. No, Jesus was relying on the Lord. Jesus was finding his strength in the Lord. Jesus wasn't going around randomly doing good things. He found his strength to do those things in the Lord. So it's good to ask what would Jesus do, but we don't just want to imitate. We want to depend on the Lord. We want to rely on the Lord. What does it mean to rely on something? To rely on something is to depend on it with trust and confidence. So our passage today shows us that we are not just going around worrying about our morality, though that is a good thing to be concerned with. We are depending on the Lord confidently and with trust. We're not just imitating someone in the past, we're depending on someone right now. And that someone is the Lord God Almighty. So what does our passage show us about relying on the Lord? Well, it's showing us why we should rely on the Lord, and it shows us how we can rely on the Lord. The first thing that it tells us is that we can rely on Him. You can rely on the Lord because He cares for you. Now, starting in verse 6, he says, humble yourselves. Why does he say humble yourselves? We talked about this a little bit in Bible study, so they'll already know the answer. But what's the difference between somebody who's humble and somebody who is proud? Somebody who is proud, will they ask you for help? No. Somebody who is humble Will they ask you for help? Yes, they'll ask you for help because they know they don't have all the answers. And that's why Peter is saying to humble yourselves because you don't have all the answers, you don't have all the strength, you need to depend on God for strength. But we all know we do not rely on someone that we do not believe cares about us. He says rely on the Lord, but you can rely on him because you know that he cares for you. He says, cast all your anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for you. And that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Cast all your anxiety? What, what does that look like? To cast something literally means to throw it. Throw all of your anxiety, all of your worry, and all of your fear on the Lord because he cares about you. But sometimes we ask, what does this look like in real life? What is it look like to cast our anxieties upon the Lord. Well, this week I was at the greatest restaurant of all time, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> and as I was eating my chicken sandwich, I couldn't help 
but to overhear a little kid kind of, I want to say, talking to his dad, but also trying not to cry. You know, when you're trying not to cry, but you're talking, and it kind of sounds like you need an inhaler a little bit. You're gasping to get the words out, and that's what this little kid was doing. He was, you couldn't help but recognize him because he was sobbing, but he was also telling his dad all of his problems, all the things that were going wrong in his life. And his dad just sat across the table, patiently listening to his son. And at first, I felt kind of bad for this little kid because I, it's so sad to watch a little kid struggle with the anxieties of life, but I felt sad for him. And then I thought about it, and I felt happy for this kid. Why did I feel happy for this kid? Because he has a dad who loves him and cares about him and is willing to take all of his son's anxiety upon himself. Now, one day, this little kid will probably lose his father and not have a dad to cast all of his anxiety upon, but he will always have the Lord to cast his anxieties on him. And that is what Peter is saying to us. We will always have the Lord to bring all of our troubles and anxieties and fears to. And what does it look like? It, well, it looks like what that little kid was doing with his dad. Because God isn't just sitting somewhere else. He's sitting directly across from you. Why? Because he cares for you. Did that little kid come up to me and give me all of his anxieties? No. He doesn't know me and I don't know him. So what does he believe about me? Well, he believes that I don't care about him. But his dad, he believes that his dad cares about him. And because his dad cares about him, he knows I can rely on my dad. I can take all of my troubles and throw them on my dad. And yet, sometimes we say, well, I don't want to cast my anxieties on the Lord because he'll get worn out and he'll get tired of listening to me. God will be exhausted by me. But think about this. When you're in high school and your parents... Uh, are walking next to you, don't you kind of say, oh, I don't want to be seen with my parents. Your parents call you and say, stop calling me. I, I don't need your help. I know how to do everything on my own. And then as you get older, you go to college and you, you start calling mom and dad. Mom, dad, I don't know how to do my laundry. Can you help me with my laundry? You grow up and you say, mom, dad, I don't know how to do my taxes. Will you help me with my taxes? And you have a kid, and you say, Mom, Dad, I don't know how to raise a kid. Will you help me to raise my kid? And your parent doesn't say, oh, not this person again. No, your parent says, oh, I'm so glad they asked me to help. In other words, I'm so glad they casted their anxieties on me because I care about them. I love them. I want to help them. God never gets tired of us giving him our problems because he is a loving parent who is dying to help us but he gives us the option to come to him to invite him to say god i'm throwing my troubles on you i'm casting my anxieties on you not just because you told me to but because i know you care about me because i know you care about me i know that i can rely on you. So we rely on the Lord because He cares for us. 
But why else do we rely on the Lord? Well, we should rely on the Lord because He protects us. Now, after He has just told us to cast all of our anxieties on the Lord, He doesn't want us to fall asleep. He says to be sober-minded, be alert, be watchful. Do you remember somebody else in the Bible who said to be watchful? Well, Peter tells us to be watchful, but do you remember that Peter was told to be watchful? The night that Jesus was arrested, Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane. He took Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee with him. And he said, stay near me. I'm going to pray. And yet, what did they do? They fell asleep. And Jesus said, be watchful, be alert, lest you fall into temptation. And yet, Peter said, well, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fear. I'm going back to sleep. And we all know that Peter's biggest disaster in his life came shortly after that when he denied the Lord three times. Now, he did not believe there was anything to be on the watch for, to be alert for, but Jesus did. And Jesus said, the only way to stand firm and resist it is to be near me, to stand firm in me, to pray with me. And yet, so many times, we're not being alert and sober-minded because we don't think there's anything that we need to be protected from. I remember uh, I was probably about 10 years old, and I, I drove every day, of course, to my elementary school with my mom and dad, and then we drove on the way home, and I said, I've, I've been on this route every single day. I don't need to ride with my parents. I can just walk to school, and I can just walk home. But my dad said, no, you can't walk home. You need to let your parents drive you to school and drive you home from school. But one day, I guess I was feeling particularly rebellious because I said, I'm not waiting for mom and dad. I'm going to prove that I can walk home from school on my own. And so I walked home and I made it home. And I thought, well, dad's going to be proud of me. I just proved that I can walk home on my own. And yet, can you guess what? My dad was not proud of me. He was not happy with me. He was upset. And I thought, why is dad upset? I just proved him wrong. I just proved that I can safely walk home from school. The problem is I did not believe that there was anything that I needed to be protected from. I had never heard of an Amber Alert before. My dad had heard of an Amber Alert before. I had never seen the list of missing people that you see in Walmart. My dad had certainly seen that list. My dad knew I needed to be protected and cared for and yet I believe, no, I can handle it. And yet, what if somebody decided that they wanted to hurt me? Would I be stronger than that person? No. Would I be older than that person? Probably not. Would I be smarter than that person? No. Peter says it's not a matter of if you need to be protected. It's a matter of when you need to be protected because it's going to happen. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. That word that Peter uses in the Greek, devour, it's a very aggressive word that 
gives us the connotation of being swallowed whole. It's pretty scary, isn't it? Until we realize how he says to resist. He doesn't say resist by your mind, by how smart you are, by how strong you are. No, he says stand firm in your faith. Because the devil is smarter than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you, but he's not stronger than the Lord. He's not more powerful than the Lord. And when you stand firm in your faith, that is the only way to be protected. That is the only way to resist. God wants us to rely on him, not on ourselves, for protection. Merely imitating Jesus is not going to do you any good when the devil approaches and wants to devour you. No, you're going to need a strength that's bigger than your own strength. You're going to need the strength that comes from standing firm in your faith in Jesus. So Peter is telling us, stand firm in Jesus because you cannot stand firm outside of Jesus. Standing firm in Jesus is the only way you'll ever truly be able to stand firm, not just by yourself, but he says, with other believers around the world who are going through what you're going through, and you all share one thing in common, and that's your faith in Jesus. And that is your shared way. That is why we can learn from Peter, because he served the same protector that we serve and rely on. So, we can rely on him because he cares for us. We can rely on him because he protects us. But we can rely on him also because he guides us. Now, in verses 10 through 11, he says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We just talked about how God can protect us. And yet, when I say we can rely on God to protect us, what do we think? We think, if God can protect us, then why is there so much suffering in the world? If God can protect his people, then why do so many of his people die and die for their faith? Peter, of course, knew all about suffering. And we just had a series on the book of Acts where we learned about a lot of his sufferings, how he was beaten and whipped in public, how he was brought before councils to be humiliated in public. And it's not in our Bible, but church tradition holds that the apostle Peter, who wrote our passage today, was sentenced to be crucified. And he said, I do not deserve to die the way that my Lord died. So he was crucified upside down. And we might say, why, if God, we can rely on him to protect us, is so much suffering happening? Peter is not denying the reality of suffering. Peter is denying the permanence of suffering. He says, yes, it's a dark time right now, but that is not going to last forever. Why? Because he's called you not just to suffer, He's called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. He describes suffering as something that's short and impermanent, but his eternal glory as forever and totally permanent. When we look, probably the best uh, 
chapter in the Bible on being guided is Psalm 23. Let's read Psalm 23 together, and I want you to see how amazing it is in Psalm 23 that David and Peter are saying the exact same thing. He says, or David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what does that show us? It shows David said, I can rely on him because he cares for me. Now he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, so he's saying the same thing as Peter. We can rely on the Lord to protect us. Now he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he says, I can rely on the Lord to guide me. But where is he guiding me? Is he guiding me to the valley of the shadow of death? No, he's not guiding me there. He's guiding me through the valley of the shadow of death. Where? To the house of the Lord where I will dwell forever. Peter says, yes, the valley of the shadow of death is real, but it's not your home. And it's not your final destination. Rely on the Lord to guide you to his eternal glory that's only found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he says that only by relying on the Lord, it's only by relying on the Lord as your guide that what can happen? You can be restored, that you can be confirmed, that you can be strengthened, and you can be established. That is where the Lord wants to guide us. And yet, if we say, I can do that on my own, we'll stay in the valley of the shadow of death. We'll never be guided to the house of the Lord. He wants to guide us there, and only he knows how to guide us there. And we can rely on him to guide us where? Into his presence, into his light. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I will, by the grace of God, experience the most beautiful and brightest light. That's where he's guiding me. But I can remember in, when I was in high school, I went through a very dark time, a very much valley of the shadow of death time, because even though I was a Christian, I was a believer in Jesus, I did not know if I could trust Jesus. I had a lot of doubts about God. Can I rely on God? I know he loves me now. Billions and billions of years from now, though, is he still going to love me? Is he going to abandon me? Is he still going to care about me? And I let these thoughts drive me to a very dark and scary place where I thought, I don't know if I can rely on the Lord. I don't know if I can trust the Lord. You know what changed my mind? Jesus changed my mind. Because in Jesus, I saw how far God is willing to go for me. I saw how much he's given to purchase me. And if he's given his own life and comfort up for me, then that means what? 
I can rely on him totally, fully. I can be confident in him, and I can trust in him absolutely. Jesus makes all the difference in our trust of God and in our reliance upon God. Because you may say, I don't know if Jesus, I don't know if the Lord cares about me. But do you know what Jesus would say to that? Jesus said, when somebody has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go look for the one missing sheep? What does that tell us? Well, it tells me that even if you were the one living person on earth, Jesus still would have laid his life down for you. He cares for you. You're, even if you're one sheep, he doesn't say, oh, I care all about you. He says, I care about all of you, each of you, individually, and I couldn't care for any one of you more than I already do because I went to the cross for you out of my care for you. Even if you're just the one sheep that goes astray, I'll still lay my life down for you. And I have laid my life down for you. We say, okay, but, but I don't know if I can rely on the Lord to protect me. I mean, you did describe a huge, scary lion that devours its prey. But what does Jesus say to that? He says, yes, the devil may be a lion prowling about, waiting for someone to devour, but I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm stronger. I have bigger teeth. I bite harder. I'm bigger. I'm faster. I pounce more swiftly. I am the greater lion. And when you stand firm in me, you do not need to fear that lion. You do not need to fear him because he's lesser than me. And that lion tried to devour me and swallow me whole in the grave. But he could not hold me. And I rose from the grave never to return. And I defeated him. I have the victory over him. He is an enemy, but he's a defeated enemy. And he'll try to swallow you out of anger, but in me, you do not have to fear him because he is no match for me. I am not just the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep, and that's what I've done for you. You may say, well, I don't know if I can rely on the Lord to guide me. But what does Jesus say to that? He says, not only can you rely on me to guide you in the tomb, in the valley of the shadow of death, you can rely on me to guide you out of the tomb, into the house of the Lord, out of darkness and into my marvelous light. You can rely on me to care for you, to protect you, to guide you. And when you lean on Jesus, what is happening? We're about to sing our hymn, our invitational hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. And when you lean on, when you rely on Jesus, what is happening? When you lean on Jesus, you are leaning on the everlasting arms of God. Let's pray.
Thank you, God, so much for your everlasting arms that hold us, protect us, and guide us. We don't deserve it, God. We never did. We don't. We never will, God. But God, you earned it for us. By your life that you lived, you lived a life that we didn't live, and you died the death that we deserve, but now we won't have to because you did it for us, God. You're so full of grace, and you call us to be humble so that we will ask you for help, God. Please help us, Lord. We're relying on you. We need you. You're where our strength comes from. God, we do want to be like Jesus, but you tell us, no, it's not about just being like Jesus. It's about being molded into the likeness of Jesus, God. And we're being molded by you. We're being strengthened by you. And out of our gratitude and our love for you, we can become more and more like Jesus. We love you. And we ask, what would Jesus do? And in Scripture, we see that Jesus would rely on his Father totally and absolutely. And that is what we want to do today. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.